Welcome to another episode of Librarians with Lattes, a podcast dedicated to being informed, reading, and staying caffeinated. My name is Amanda Lau, and I am the Outreach and Marketing Librarian at the University at Albany Libraries. I'll be standing in for our regular host, Karina Ricker, for this month's episode. Today, I am joined by Nadine, a student from the University at Albany here. How are you doing today, Nadine? Good. How are you, Amanda? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, as many of you know, April is National Poetry Month, and in celebration of this month, today's discussion will focus around poetry. Uh, before we get into all that, I'd just like to find out a little bit more about our guest. So Nadine, mind uh, telling us something about yourself? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so my name is Nadine. Uh, my last name is a little bit complicated, so I don't want to go into that. Um, but I, uh, I'm actually an international student. I'm a senior here, um, so it's my fourth year. I'm graduating pretty soon. Um, I actually came all the way from Egypt, so I am originally wow. from Egypt, Cairo, so I'm a city girl. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came here just um, to uh, the U.S. to just, you know, pursue my education. Um, so growing up, I've been really surrounded by different languages, just because my dad was in the diplomacy area. My mom works at the United Nations so having these two aspects in my life was kind of, you know, me being very international, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came here. I now study uh, political science and Spanish. So um, double majoring. And it's been great for me so far. Do you plan on going back to Egypt after your education is um, done? So, you know, with, with all the corruption that is going on there, yeah. um, that's why I decided to initially come here to just, you know, find sure. a better education for me. Definitely, I'm trying to save my country either way, uh, mm-hmm. but that's debatable. Oh, all right. Well, we're welcome to, you know, <laughs> to have you here. Thank you. So. I appreciate that. Awesome. All right. So, you know, we've probably uh, all read a lot of poems that have been translated to English. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like some of the meaning gets lost in translation during during that? Um, honestly, I, I feel that my answer would be yes um, to that. Just because when you read it in, in one language that has been, like the poem has been written in that language, um, I feel like you know that language, you understand the emotions, the feeling behind the words. So when you translate it to one other language, some of these words doesn't even exist. They don't even exist in that case. Um, You know, and my mom will be the perfect, you know, uh, person to ask that because she's a translator herself. And she, yeah, and she knows that, you know, some words you can't, like names, for instance, proper nouns, you can't really perfectly, you know, uh, translate them. Um, so one of these things is basically trying to, because when we talk about a poem, we talk about emotions, we talk about Absolutely. words, we talk about um, a lot of other things, and you can't translate that word to word in another language. And this is when I feel that we're we're losing some type of um, you know connection with that poem that we're reading. Absolutely, I think it was. Um Longfellow that said that uh, poetry is a catharsis of emotion. So if you take out, you know, words, yeah. you're definitely losing yeah, meaning, exactly, right? exactly. Um, and we also like see a lot of poetry that will throw in random English words mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they. <laughs> I think it. Uh, I've read poems in Tagalog, or friends have read them oh, wow. to me, mm-hmm. um, and there'll be random English words throughout. Um, <laughs> you'll, some Japanese poetry wow, will have. Um, that's amazing. Or even uh, songs, you'll see that in right, there. So right, 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 right. It's quite interesting. Right, and I feel like honestly, with with the word with the world, just you know 
becoming more, you know, international and like, you know, since the trade started and everything, not even in, in poems, you know, it's more like a, a big thing, you know, trying to involve, trying to even write a novel, you know, not only in, in English, but adding some Spanish words or, you know, as you said, Japanese words. And this is what they do now with, with poems, you know. Um, and, and again, this comes at the end to the creativeness of an artist, the meaning of an artist, um, playing with all these aspects to create your own unique poem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It kind of brings me to my second question. Of mm-hmm. How do you feel about bilingual poetry or poetry that does blend English with another language? Um, so as long as you are fluently bilingual, then I would say I'm okay with that. Just because, you know, you have access to these two languages, you know how you feel when you read for that language specifically and the other language as well. So when you're actually reading the poem, you understand both aspects. And you understand at the end the, the you know, the meaning behind this poem and, and what was the intention of the poet, you know, of the poem itself. Um, so I feel like that's the most important thing, having access to the words and having access of the two languages to understand that bilingual. And I, and I, I know and I know that it's becoming more frequent, you know, as time goes by. Um, you know, again, in our world today, Actually, few people now are monolinguals. Um, so I feel like the bilingualism is just spreading uh, entirely in the world. Um, and I feel like that is a new is a new genre that is that is becoming, you know, very familiar in the world. Now, a lot of poetry, too, um, that is written in another language, it tends to have, um, kind of like a lyrical feel to it. Like if you read a, po- a poem that's in Mandarin, mm-hmm. the inflections also add an element to that poetry. It's Definitely. very much like song. Definitely. Um, other, um, lang- are you familiar with other languages that kind of have a similar yeah. feel to that with their poetry? Yeah. Um, I would say um, French as well as Spanish. I would I would refer mostly to the Latin language, the Latin languages. Um, I have that feeling that it's more that you're, you know, you're writing a song more than you're just, you know, um, just writing a poem, you know? Uh, and again, it, it just it just brings us to, um, to, like, how you read it, how emotional you feel when you read it, if you're actually feeling the words that are being written. Um, so uh, definitely, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of languages do share that. Oh, definitely. And uh, people also consider things like uh, rap to be written oh, yeah. poetry as well, or oh, spoken yeah. word. Um, you have uh, Tupac, for instance, yeah. that his lyrics yeah, yeah. were uh, considered to be poetry. Definitely. I, I, I honestly, I have a feeling that actually you write poems first before you like uh, you write a song. And I, I mean, that's how I perceive it. Because, you know, you're still thinking about rhymes. You're still thinking about your emotions first. You're you're still putting a pen on a paper and writing these words before anything. Um, so when we talk about, um, you know, uh, um, a strophe of like, you know, different, different lines, you're still looking at the structure of the poem. You're still looking at, you know, how many, how many lines I'm going to say in, in that, you know, in, in the introduction of my song. So I feel like it starts that way and then, you know, it turns into a song or into like this lyrical kind of um, song. You brought up um, some of the conventions of Mm -hmm. poetry. So rhyme. um, Now, how does that 
um, translate to a, a poem in a different language. We know it when we read an English poem. Mm-hmm. You, uh, it's kind of easier to see those things. Mm-hmm. But when you're mm-hmm. reading something that's in another language, mm-hmm. how do you spot those those rhyming um, verses or the other conventions that would be of like formatted uh, right. poetry? Right. Um, I feel like at the you know. To learn a language, you still have to focus on what are the structure of a poem. Um, so actually, before when I when I was studying Spanish, even though I'm a linguistics concentration, I still wanted to learn a little bit about literature because um, this is where you know how words are being built or how how can you form a sentence um, and what can you do with it. Um, so for that, I actually took that, you know, Spanish class where I actually focused on terms and how, you know, we define or or what constitutes a poem, basically. So this is where we looked at rhymes, verses, all types of metaphors, um, how, why does a verse keep starting by I instead of, you know, just any other word? Um, and, and again, we can, we can notice them in, in all these other languages as you just, you know, learn how it, it is frequent in several, you know, um, you know, poems, but also you also look at the history of the poets that are, you know, wrote in the 80s and the 50s, and then you grow to today, which it's kind of more creative and more, you know, not really following the rules, which, you know, again, with our world changing every day, um, it is expected. Oh, absolutely. Um, I realize I skipped a question here, but I think this is as good a time as any day <laughs> yeah. to ask it. Um, so we're talking about Poetry Day, obviously. How are you connected to poetry? Like, what does it mean to you? Um, how much have you studied it? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so actually, I am very connected with with uh, poetry. I feel like poetry is the way that you say how you feel. Um, poetry is the way that you can't really use words, but you use emotions. And just by a pen and a paper, you're basically translating how you feel indirectly to the person in front of you. Um, I uh, went to high school in Egypt. Um, we don't really have middle school, high school. It's just a 14-year uh, school. 14 where, years. Yeah, we don't we don't go like you know to we don't so it's have not like K through 12. Nope, All right, nope. gotcha. It's just one school, one building that you go to <laughs> your entire your entire years basically of school, and um and and it was a French school, so um I studied everything in French, and. As you know, French people are very intelligent, and when it comes to poetry, they're experts at. Oh, yes. Um, I would say all Latin languages are, but just, you know, specifically the French, you know, uh, poetry is is pretty amazing. Um, and this is where I knew that I'm very comfortable in this area, um, even writing my own poems sometimes. Actually, uh, you know, it's a little bit out of the subject, but for my, um, I'm actually doing um, reading uh, at the end for commencement. For my own department, I'm reading um, my speech. Um, and actually writing my speech, I was like, how can I translate my emotions to the audience? And by doing that, I wrote a poem. Um, which, you know, um, I, I don't want to share it at the moment just because I want to keep it a surprise <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for <understood>. everybody. <laughs> um, but again, this is how I share my emotions. This is, 
I, I can't tell you how I feel about the university these uh, four years that I, you know, I came from my country um, to come here to pursue my education. I can't tell you that in words. I don't feel like I would have enough words to describe that. Um, and that's why I go to words poetry, because it gives me more space, more freedom, more... Um, just so many ways that I can can't translate what's on my mind to bring it up to other people and how I feel. Oh yeah, I think that's what a lot of poets yeah would say. Yeah, um, <laughs> it definitely is an outlet and gives you a lot of creative mm-hmm. uh, creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, though I have heard other people say that that the people who focus on conventions of poetry, those strict rules for what some poems can be, they feel constricted. But I'm like, mm-hmm. that's why we have free-form poetry, exactly. right? Exactly, exactly. So there are no exactly. rules to what makes a poem great mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, or not great. Right, um, right, 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 I'm sure we've all read our <laughs> share of bad poetry. Well, yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of uh, good in the world mm-hmm. with poetry. And and nowadays, you even see the, the poems with the images, you know, how, like, you know, they actually try to... Let's say the poem is about the sun. They actually put the words as the image of the sun, as they pictureize it, which makes it even more creative. It's it's pretty amazing how how much you can do with with poetry, and people do not realize that. Oh yeah, and how um, little words you can use to form a poem, like mm-hmm. haiku is only mm-hmm. what, five seven five. That's exactly. not exactly you know a lot of uh, words to write poems. So yeah. I think anyone could definitely mm-hmm. write poetry, and probably shouldn't limit themselves right Right. definitely they can do definitely um so we mentioned um that you speak french obviously you studied in french Mm. and you speak english i speak english so what else do you you speak (laughs) other any other languages yes um so i am quintilingual i don't know if that exists (laughs) i'm working on my sixth language right now oh that is impressive Uh, yeah (laughs) i speak one and a half maybe (laughs) well that's something (laughs) um well i um so again, I grew up in, in Egypt, um, so Arabic with the Egyptian dialect, but as an Arab, we basically know other dialects as well. Sure. I'm not going to say I'm proficient at them, but I do understand them. Um, so, you know, a Yemeni person or like, you know, any other dialects I would typically understand in in the Middle East. Um, also, I we moved to Russia pretty young, so this is when I um, started, because uh, my dad, again, worked in diplomacy. Um, so we had to move with him. And this is where I started learning. I went to a Russian school. Um, I started learning Russian. And, you know, when you learn a language, when you're pretty young, it just comes to your mind like this. Um, so um, got that. Um, back to Egypt. Went to a French school. Um, started on my, so my third language right now. Um, which is French. And then um, my mom wanted to go back to Egypt just because, you know, she was noticing that my Arabic was, you know, <laughs> getting, you know, which which is supposed to be my native language, you know what I yeah. mean? Having both Egyptian parents. Um, so she really wanted to make sure that, you know, I'm still hung up on my, you know, on, on my, my Arabic. So that's why we went back and went to French school. And then she started speaking to me in English because at that time she was working in... Um, um, in a Japanese newspaper, but you know, she was mainly using Japanese and, and, um, 
and and English basically. She would say some words in Japanese, but I do not remember them. So you don't count that as one <laughs> no, of your languages. No, do not count that. And then later on, um, I started taking English as a second language in in school. So it was French and then English and a little bit of Arabic just because, and again, the society, the community, I was all the time frequently talking Arabic with. And then finally took my third language, which is Spanish at school, which you guys take here in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what happens too. Again, we don't have that high school term or yeah. anything, but we take it in the last three years. I took it actually in the last four years just because my uncle is married to uh, an Argentinian a woman and um i had to communicate with her and now i have my cousin who speaks spanish so i was like no let me get early let me get on that That's, learn yeah, my fifth language yeah um and then i started to learn spanish um came here as well and majored in it and actually started learning turkish on my, on my own so that six languages very impressive <laughs> um thank you like what what age did you start speaking english i would say um I would say maybe 16. Yeah. You sound amazing. You would never <laughs> guess you. that, that you started speaking English at 16. <laughs> Thank so. you. As, and I've heard a lot of people say that English is a very hard it language is, to learn. It so. is definitely. Just because, you know, and, and, and mainly because I learned um, the Latin language a little bit, you know, yeah. in depth, we actually pronounce every single vowel which you guys are pronouncing it very differently if you were putting in next to another vowel or just another, you know, sure. letter. It's just, it just really differs. So you will you will notice that sometimes I, I would say a word and it's more like a Latin-ish or, you Close know. Close enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly my point. And you probably say it better than half the people in the U.S. with well, all our yeah. different, uh, we have many different colloquialisms and well, yeah. dialects here mm -hmm. in the U.S. as well, mm -hmm. depending mm -hmm. on where you're from. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been told I say things funny from New York. So, um, but that's, that's wonderful. You right. speak so many languages Thank and you. it probably has Thank opened you. so many gateways to poetry oh, yeah. too. Oh, through, yeah. through language acquisition. Definitely. So. Definitely. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you've mentioned that you're, you're yourself are a poet, mm -hmm. so which is pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, how long have you been writing poetry mm -hmm. and do you have any favorite pieces that you've written? Um, so I was writing a lot of poetry when I was back in Egypt. Um, because again, my, my studies focused on French literature. Mm -hmm. Um, so mainly I was looking at different poems, um, you know, knowing them by heart and kind of translating it into creating my own poetry. Um, so I would say for about two years, I was doing that, you know, only focusing on my poetry. Sometimes even, you know, again, when you're in your teenager, when you're a teenager, it's just basically you're going through these emotional uh, changes, you know, you're leaving a country to another. So that's when I really started putting my emotions into words. Um, it was kind of private, you know, I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't really share with anybody else. And then I actually wrote a really nice piece um, that I, I, I shared with the entire school. Um, and that was about the politics of my own country and how, you know, we had a very corrupt president and, you know, uh, talking about just the, the, the Arab Spring and the revolution of my yeah. own country. Um, and, and that's when I know that, you know, I really see myself in, in poetry and writing this. However, when I, when I moved here, it was just, you know, focusing on my English, which is, you know, 
I didn't really learn English that well when I was back in Egypt because it's not really our second language even in the country. So yeah. I didn't have the accent. I didn't. I, I thought people wouldn't understand me. So I focused more on, on English and, and kind of kept French apart, you know. Because my poetry was mainly in French. It wasn't Arabic. It wasn't any other language. It was mainly in French. Because sure. I studied this every single day, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I had access to more words. I had access to more emotions um, in that um, and, um, and as I said earlier, you need to be bilingual fluently and, and feel these emotions in teach you language if you want to write a bilingual or even, you know, write, write in a different language. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why I, I chose French. And then when I came here, as I said, I kind of kept that a little bit, uh, left out just because I was focusing on my, on my English. Um, so that one piece about, you know, the, the politics of, of my country was that one of, of my pavi- my favorite ones because the other ones were, were mainly private for me. I think that a lot of people have similar stories. Yeah. They write poetry. They keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. I know that Emily Dickinson, one of our United exactly. States poets, she didn't share it with anybody until right. after she died. So, right, 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 um, right, right, There's right. probably a lot of poets out there in the world that mm-hmm. we won't discover until yeah. after they pass, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's that's very unfortunate, actually. Because, you know, you, you don't realize that maybe how it feels to me that they're not that good. But at the same time, I'm like, it shouldn't matter if it's that good or not because... It's freedom of speech. You're writing what you think on a piece of paper. It doesn't really matter what other people think as long as you're you are you are agreeing with what you're basically putting on a And good is know. subjective too, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And again, yeah, grammar, you know, vocab, these are stuff that are just changing every day with the community, with the society that you're living in. So these also do not really matter. Oh, yeah, and, and poetry. Uh, most poets I know that don't follow modern exactly. convention or exactly. grammatical uh, structures when they write poetry. Mm-hmm. So in the end, it really doesn't matter terribly. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you could be doing something revolutionary, too. Here so why go. not share that, right? <laughs> um, so I see you brought some poetry with you. Now, yeah. is this your own poetry or a, a favorite poet? A, fo- a favorite poet, All yeah. Right. And who did you bring today? So today I brought... Uh, a French poet. Should I say his name in French or should I say his name in English? You can give him both. Okay, okay. So his name is Victor Hugo in French. Victor Hugo. Uh, people know him of writing The Miserable. Ah. Uh, or what we call it in French, Les Misérables. Um, so I th- I'm pretty sure a lot of people love him as a poet. He was actually known as the best known, like, uh, his. he has masterpieces. Um, and he was one of the greatest and best known French writers, and he's one of my favorite. That's excellent. I'm really excited to hear it because yeah. I don't think I've ever heard any oh, of his poetry. Oh, my so. God, that's amazing. So, actually, today I have the... And if you want me to say both, um, I have both... Um, the French version and the English version. It would probably be interesting to hear both for those right? who don't who don't speak um, mm-hmm. French, just to hear the difference right. between the English translated right. version and right. the French. Right. So, would you like me to start with the French version? Yeah, let's start with the French one. Okay, awesome. So here, sir. Demain, dès l'aube, à l'heure où blanchit la campagne, je partirai. Vois-tu? Je sais que tu m'attends. J'irai par la forêt, j'irai par la montagne. Je ne puis demeurer loin de toi plus longtemps. Je marcherai les yeux fixés sur mes pensées, sans rien voir au dehors, sans entendre aucun bruit. 
Seul, inconnu, le dos courbé, les mains croisées, triste. Et le jour pour moi sera comme la nuit. Je ne regarderai ni l'or du soir qui tombe, ni les voiles loin descendant vers Harfleur. Et quand j'arriverai, je mettrai sur ta tombe un bouquet de houx, vert et vert et deux bruyères en fleurs. So that's the French version. Very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Now I need to know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I know this poem by heart. I, you know, when I read the, the translation, hopefully you can connect with that, but it's just, it's so meaningful. It's very meaningful. Um, I, I read it earlier this morning before coming here, and I, I just feel the emotion every time as if I'm reading it for the first time. So here I go for, for, the, for the translation, and hopefully you connect with that. Tomorrow at dawn, and the hour when the countryside becomes white, I will leave. You see, I know that you're waiting for me. I'll go by the forest. I go by the mountain. I cannot stay far from you any longer. I will walk the ice fixed on my thoughts without seeing anything outside nor hearing any noise. Alone, unknown, the back curved, the hands crossed, sad, and the day for me will be like the night. I will not look at the gold of the evening which falls, nor the far away of sails descending towards our fleur. And when I arrive, I will put on your tomb a green bouquet of holly and flowering heather. See, also pretty, but not as pretty as the French. Yeah. <laughs> it, is definitely, it definitely does lose yeah. a little something. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Now, do you see when you read them side by side that there are definitely like things that are missing from the, the translation. Totally. Not even things. I would say the entire thing. I know that might be, you know, surprising or shocking, but the way, actually, and this is the first time I read in front of you right now, mm -hmm. the translation. And, ah, and when, okay. I, when I read the, the French version, I, I literally just got shivers. When I read it in, in English, I didn't feel the same way. Yeah. And this is when you know. This is when you really know that it, there is something missing. Um, this is when you know that then you know that the rhymes is missing that the you know how like the continuity of the words are are just not not going the expressions I could tell the flow is different exactly. from when you read one or the other there's definitely uh, a, a defined flow when you're reading in mm -hmm. French as compared to the English exactly. which definitely felt different exactly yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of the differences yeah, and if you don't that. mind also, I'm going to, cause I love this. Um, I'm also going to tell you what is it about and, and you know, oh, I would love to hear that. Um, so basically, um, I'm going to start by saying what are, uh, what is it about? So, you know, we know what we're talking about. So basically, uh, Victor Hugo, he's talking at the beginning about the countryside, The, as you said, as I said earlier, in the hour when the countryside becomes white. Um, here he's talking about, you know, again, a countryside, is a, it could be a good translation, but he's talking about Normandy. He's talking about, you know, the, the nature, how it's beautiful, but he doesn't see it the same way. And actually, uh, this entire um, poem, you feel that I'm talking about love. I do talk about the theme of love, but at the end, the last two verses, as I as I would repeat them, are, and when I, when I arrive, I will put on your tomb 
a green bouquet of holly and flowering heather. And that's when you realize that I'm talking about death. And um, again, you can you can see here in the French version in, in just a, a wonderful description um, that you know you think I'm talking about nature, you think I'm talking about life, I'm taking I'm talking about uh, love, but at the end he's talking about death. And actually, this um, this poem has been written for his daughter. Um, her name is um, Leopoldine Hugo. Um, she's his daughter. Um, she had an accident uh, four years before he wrote that poem, and that was like kind of the anniversary of her accident. And that's when he wrote it in 1856. Um, and basically, he was trying to share his love for her, his memories with her, and finally, he wanted to show that this was his, his the anniversary of her death, that, you know, he only included that little detail in the last two verses. And that makes it sad. That makes <laughs> it sad, but it, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazingly absolutely. creative, amazingly just, just you know, again, it gives me shivers when I read that. Celebration of life. Exactly, the, exactly. Focusing on that death. Exactly, yeah. and, you know, just dedicating the entire poem to your daughter, which is which is just very sentimental and very emotional, which brings me again to the objective of, of the poetry, which is, it is sad, but it's happy. It's, it's It talks about nature, it talks about love, it talks about memories, it talks about the past, but it also talks about his daughter who, who died. Um, so a, a very emotional, uh, and again, I know it by heart, I, one of the, the most interesting and, and wonderful, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's best known of The Miserables, um, again, for, for the theater, um, and also for, for this exact poem. Um, so, so f f a few of the, a few of the differences, I would say, so you would not know that he's talking actually about the nature in Normandy, unless you were a French speaker, you know, because mm -hmm. here he talks about, uh, and I'm going to translate it just in a second, ni les voiles au loin descendant vers Arfleur. Arfleur is a place in Normandy that, you know, you're, you know that he's talking about the countryside in, in, in Normandy. Right here, nor the far away sails descending towards our fleur. You wouldn't really know what that is, except that it's, you know, you can see that our fleur is, is in, you know, it's in a, in a high letter, you know, in a big letter. Maybe it's a proper noun, but you don't know where that is. You, yeah. You're not really familiar with the content. So this is one of the, you know, anybody would notice that, you know. But again, the expressions are not the same. One of the expressions actually that are, not the same at all, is when he said, sad, and the day for me will be like the night. I know that might seem very, like, uh, apparent to you, like, I understand that, but when you read it in French, it just, it just gives you an image of sadness, just an, a total image of, of sadness, um, that he doesn't recognize the day from the, from the night. It, it, it's not translated, and the day for me will be the, the light. The, the doesn't night. have the same feeling no. to it. No, yeah. definitely not. Um, another thing is that last verse when he says that he's going to put on her tomb the green bouquet of holly and flowering heather. Again, these are flowers known specifically in Normandy. If you are not aware of them, you know, it's, it's, it's the same feeling that you feel. And again, which brings me at the end for that continuity between the verses, how you read it. Um, 
at the beginning it says demain de l'aube, which means tomorrow at dawn. Again, these are not, it's not the same introduction as it is introduced in the French poem as much as it is um, in, the, in the English um, version. The, again, translating a poem is, is not uh, accurate. It's never going to be accurate. Um, that's why I, you know, I always go towards the actual language to kind of know what is, what is the feeling, the emotions behind the poem itself. That's, I think that's a smart way to approach things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not everybody has access uh, to language, mm-hmm. but I think it should motivate people to look at those language acquisition skills if you want to probably get the full meaning of you know these beautiful poems mm-hmm. uh, and their native languages. Exactly. exactly. Who wouldn't want to do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that of with us. Of course. Um, we like to kind of end each of our episodes by asking our uh, guests to share with us what they have been currently reading or something they have recently uh, finished reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any uh, thing that you've been reading recently or recommendations you'd like to share with us? Yeah, of course. Um, recommendations, I'm not really sure, but um, at current moment, I'm actually reading um, Arabic books. Um, just because, you know, I feel like here I've been, ac- I've been having access to Spanish, French, uh, but not as much as Arabic. Um, and I'm actually, um, reading one of, one of, a a good books. Actually, it was, it was produced as a movie. Um, but it's, um, it's a very nice book. I don't know what the translation would be, but it's called Maulena, uh, in Arabic. Um, and it talks again about the politics in Egypt and how religion is not supposed to be politics. However, in the Middle East, most likely politics is based on religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the conflict begins of you're focusing more on religion more than more than the politics itself. Um, and I, I just love how, you know, the the writer is re- is writing the book because, in, in Arabic, we have different dialects. The mm. colloquial, and even if you guys have it here, you have the colloquial and the standard English, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you would never speak in the standard. And actually in the, well, sometimes you do. Yeah, you're writing. It, it's, it's probably, it's, you yeah. know. But actually in the book, he write, he writes in colloquial, which doesn't happen that often. So again, that that's the new modern way of writing in Egypt. And he uses that colloquial Arabic to kind of relate to the people and I feel that just that's just amazing so it's it's um I wouldn't say it's a novel but it's just it's a a mixture of everything it talks about a specific person um who's not real but at the same time it talks about the actual politics in Egypt so it's a fiction mixed with uh Uh, realistic elements of today's society definitely definitely i would definitely recommend it to um arabic speakers (laughs) now do you know the the author as well offhand um he is not that well known Uh um but i just i don't have him on i don't have the name on my mind right now Uh, that is okay yeah you just want to repeat the title again just for our listeners if they want to find it it's maulena all right, so mm-hmm. hear that. You've heard it here. <laughs> um, if you speak Arabic or you're taking an interest in wanting to learn Arabic, go and find that book. It sounds like a good read. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just want to thank you again for joining us thank today. You so much, it's been Amanda. a pleasure. And you're our first student to join us um, awesome. for Librarian with Lattes. 
So that's a great pleasure. <laughs> that thank is you so much for having <laughs> yeah, well, thank me. Thank you. It's for definitely being an here. honor, and and I enjoyed this. You know, I I don't usually like share my emotions with that, but I really felt that you know. I'm going back to write poetry today. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You get pumped for, for poetry. It's yeah. definitely a good feeling, and you have, definitely have to do it after definitely. you get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to congratulate you, too, on, on graduating. Thank That's, you. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. a big that. step, and yeah. I look forward to hearing what you do in the world definitely. afterwards. Thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, well, I just want to, again, thank uh, Nadine so much for joining us today. Um, and that's all the time that we have left. So I want to thank all of our listeners for continuing to stick with us and tune tune in each month. And in closing, as Karina would say, remember to read. Read as if the future depends on it, because it does. And we're good.